Begin driving. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? Welcome to Noam on the Move. A podcast looking at how transportation evolved throughout the years and how disruptive technologies will continue to transform it. Here's your host, Noam Metal. You have reached your destination. Welcome to another episode of Noam on the Move. I'm thrilled to have today with us Ben Volko, the co-founder and CEO of Autonomo, a vehicle data platform. And prior to founding uh, Autonomo, this is not Ben's first startup. He was in a variety of roles in the telco space and founded, was a co-founder of Traffic Systems that was acquired by F5 Networks. Also worked in the corporate side with Sendo and with uh, Panasonic. So really runs the gamut, if you will, from experience, both smaller companies and building companies, but also uh, working with some of the larger corporations. So Ben, thank you for being with us today. Pleasure to be here, Norm. Thanks for the invite and for hosting me and really looking forward for the discussion. So Ben, I usually like to start thinking about, you know, we're going to talk obviously about Autonomo and some of the advancements and connected vehicles and how use case that can be applied. But often when we've talked to our guests, we move into these deep conversations. I like to actually take a step back and think about the personal impact of mobility and transportation. So how has transportation and mobility related to your, to your personal life, either in the past or in the present? So <laughs> you are talking to a guy that used to live in airplanes and home for me was the United Lounge. Um, so I was every traveler all around the world. So I think that's the first thing that have changed. I, I think that I didn't go into a plane for six or seven months. That's something I couldn't predict. Uh, behind it, really, also the day-to-day life have changed. I used to commute much more, spend much more time on the roads, spend much more time in the city using different kinds of mobility. That's also have changed heavily. We, we, where we walk much more from home. We, we spend much less time in urban areas. We, we travel much less. Zoom is replacing face to face meetings. So it's really moved almost, you know, a total shift. Everything has changed. And it takes some time to find the new normal. Yeah. It uh, brings some good things. It brings some bad things. But it's, it's definitely have changed. I mean, on that one, though, how do you look at that? Now people are talking about vaccine and results. We'll talk about COVID for a second. Do you think once we're, we figure this out, people are just going to go back to the same way in terms of specifically looking at mobility? Are we going to go back to the same patterns of traffic, congestion, all the normal habits? Or is there going to be a, a new normal? I think that things will go back to the old normal very soon. History shows that really things hardly change. The wheels turns around and, and, and things go back to where they were, were before. Of course, it will take time. Of course, there will be some changes. But will people go back to traveling and flying and using a micro, say, micro mobility services or share Uber together or, or rent a new offices? In my mind, there's no question. It can take a year, it can take five years, but my view is that things will go back to the old normal. Let's hope, right? And it seems right now such a distant memory, the old normal, when we think about it, it's only this past March. But as many people have said, 2020 feels like the longest year in in history. Take me back to Autonomo. I mean, I'm always interested in as a a co-founder myself, an entrepreneur, what was the genesis 
for Autonomo? What was the impetus where you said, all right, I need to start a company around this uh, idea or problem? So I, I'll tell you the story and hopefully I won't get into too, many, too much trouble. So I was working for a big company, you mentioned it, called F5, which acquired my previous company. And there was a, a project with uh, one of the German OEMs. And I'll tell you what, nobody wanted to go and meet them. They said it's a German car, man. it's 2015. It's a German car manufacturer. They're wasting our time. They are bending metal. What do they know about data and cloud? And, you know, Israel is closer to Germany than Seattle. I was sent in. And I found myself having fascinating discussions about the future of mobility and transportation and data and cloud. And it's the same things that I was touching them day to day in different markets. It was fascinating on one side. And on the other side, I felt that I can contribute. It's, it's what I'm doing for the last uh, 20 years. And from there, I think it was a question of a couple of months until I resigned and, and went on a new journey with Autonomo. So what's interesting to me is you think about connected vehicle data and the pure concept of connectivity, right? We think about it, Genesis, could, you could say, is like the cell phone and communication. It's been around for a while. Why is it taken so long for it to be a kind of in the forefront as it is today. To that point, why now? Why is it now the time for uh, these connected services to be a relevant force in the marketplace? It's a good question, and, and you're going to get me in trouble today. <laughs> That's the hope. I think it's a couple of reasons, thinking loud, and, and I will have your, your, your feedback. Uh, you know this industry as well as me. I think OEMs are slow. They don't take risks. And especially they don't take risks when it's out of the comfort zone. And, and it's completely logical. We, we are all the same. I think the internet revolution, the connectivity, the car is maybe the last frontier that was connected. Offices, homes, hotels, every, airplanes, everything was connected before we got into the car. I think that's part of it. I think there's also a financial side of things. The connectivity in the vehicles is very expensive. Building the backbone to, to store and, and, and manage the data is expensive. In the same time, the OEM's business is working on 2 to 3% margins. It means that all this connectivity with all the good things it's bringing is really cutting very deep to the slim margins. So I think it took them some time to, to really get, a, get a, the courage to do it because of the, the financial side of things and because of the, really it was out of the comfort zone. But to, and today, I think that the timing is exactly right. We see OEMs moving very, very fast into the connectivity. I think connectivity was already established. Now it's the next level. What we do with the data, building ecosystem of services, launching connected, uh, connected services around the car, partnering with partners like Autonomo, and getting deeper into the data and how it could be utilized. For, for a long while, it was sitting in the basements in, in Detroit or in Stuttgart or in uh, Tokyo. And in the last few months, we really see the basements opening up, data flowing out, and, and value is being created. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with a lot of that assessment. Or I guess from, from my perspective, the interesting part there is there's a shift that is tectonic for a, an OEM or a mobility company, an automotive company to make from, to your point, bending metal to being a data company. And that's not easy for a two-year-old company, let alone for a company that's several hundred years old. 
And so I think a lot of it is, to your point, just time, right? Understanding and letting these shifts settle in. But it is a really interesting dynamic now that's shifting, right? Companies like Ford repositioning themselves as mobility companies and mobility services, not kind of uh, auto manufacturer. And interesting to see now how, how that materializes. And I guess that leads me to my, my next question is, when you go to investors, right, often they'll say they're looking for a 10x, something that's the, the, the value proposition of what you're going to do is going to be 10 times better than what exists today. What services are there today that connected vehicle promises or can offer that would change our life in a kind of 10x type of fashion? So it's a good question. You know that when I started the company, um, I, I thought about insurance, UBI. I read about it. I thought it's tectonic change. I didn't even understand how many use cases and services could benefit and be empowered from the automotive data out there. And one of the nice things in, in at Autonomo is that um, it's fascinating because we're having so many interesting discussions with such brilliant people that come with amazing uh, usage uh, use cases for the data. So we do things around, um, I'll give you some examples, financial services. It could be a new source of alternative data to hedge funds or the Bloombergs of the world. You know, they all the time look for the advantage. They call it the alpha. And even simple queries like is the hotel parking lot more busy this week compared to last week or how many trucks are coming out from this agriculture area compared to last quarter. Uh, we work with banks that give you loans for vehicles. And in order to reduce the risk, they are asking for your data. You pay less interest if you share your data. They want to understand the mileage. They want to see if uh, you do uh, the warranty on time. Giving a loan is exposure. One of the, the amazing use cases that came to us recently, it was a credit card company that came and said that they have too many false positives. Too many people are being refused to get a credit card because of something they done 20 years ago. And they believe that there is a correlation between your driving style and, and your financial responsibility. So if you were refused, they will ask for your, get your data with your permission. We'll monitor how you drive. And if you don't speed up like crazy and you, 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 you don't do turns, turns around like Starsky and Hutch, maybe you'll get this credit card. We, we work with an, um, this company that provides emergency services. So if you have an accident, they will send data automatically to the emergency room. How many people were in the car? What was the speed of the impact? They will even um, notify and launch the emergency vehicle and save a couple of seconds. It saves life. So I, I can talk for hours. Maybe one, one interesting example that I was surprised, that I, and I promise it's the last one, is um, we, we have an amazing uh, project with electricity company around leasing cars, leased cars. So if you have today a leased car from your employer, you keep the receipts, you bring it back, and you get reimbursed for the fuel. What happens if it's an electric car and you charge it home? How do you get reimbursed? It's your electricity. So we see how many kilowatts you put into the car. And, and the electricity company knows what was the cost of the kilowatts at a certain hour. And together we compile a report that you take back to your employer. It's a problem that wasn't around because there were no electric vehicles. Today it's a, prob a new problem. What I'm hearing that I think is really fascinating is that 
you know, often you can segregate these uh, use cases into gains or pains, right? Obviously, kind of simplifying. And I think there's a lot of new marketplaces opportunity that before we just didn't have in our disposal. Electric vehicles was not something that was a relevant conversation a few years ago. How we use the vehicle as a marketplace for consumption of various things was not kind of a real thing. It was more gimmicky. So a lot of these things are about new services that are being introduced. I guess one in- one question, and obviously can, my, my interest and focus is often on the public sector side, having worked very closely with government. Why does what Autonomo do and in general, the kind of connected vehicle revolution, if you will, matter for the public transportation sector? So I'll give you an example from, uh, I think that sits well in your domain. Um, today, the, there's tax on fuel. If everything will become electric, the government will get less money from tax because people will drive less on cars that are based on fuel. They will move to electric cars. And, and, and I think we both agree that everything will become electric. Two years, five years, seven years, every new car in the end. Now, the governments are unfortunately smarter than us. <laughs> Everywhere around the world, there are discussions about moving to taxation that is based on mileage. You pay based on the miles you drove instead of the fuel you used. And the governments are doing it in order not to lose money when we move to electric vehicles. That's one of the main reasons. So this is a way, an example of how connectivity is very important even for smart transportation or the urban areas in order to enable those new taxation or, or tolling models because someone will need to monitor the car and see how many miles you drove so you pay the tax. It is. I think you're giving a lot of credits to government because I can tell you, I think they're struggling to make that shift. It's a hard one. It requires a lot of policy. I, I think another one that's really interesting that relates to kind of this core to autonomous focus is really around the focus today brings it home to even the politics right now of uh, a whole new infrastructure bill in the United States around rebuilding legacy infrastructure. And what role does the connected vehicle data play in supplementing some of those typical investment vehicles that they had? And that's a really tough thing right now for them to try and understand and marry with the old way of brick and mortar cement on the road and thinking of that as the, the means of investment. So there's a really interesting discussion now as there's some serious uh, policy discussions on the federal side of rebuilding our country from a road perspective. That would be the first major rebuild you know, after the 1950s in Eisenhower's freeway system. And so I think that could be another catalyst moment that could be coming very soon. And obviously, Autonomo would be well positioned, of course, for that for that regard. But that brings about, I guess, all this data coming from the cars bring about the elephant in the room question, which is privacy. So every conversation about data at some point involves the privacy question. How do you provide all these services that at sometimes do get into kind of collecting vehicle data from the, the you know person driving in the vehicle at this point, at least? How do we create a marketplace or ensure that the privacy standards are met? So I wanted to talk to you. I saw you drove quite quickly to Safeway yesterday. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> so we, we take we take privacy very seriously. Um, I think that uh, we understood very early that in the automotive industry, unlike maybe the tech technology industry, uh, you cannot bend corners. There are no shortcuts and no discounts when it comes to privacy. 
the default is always no data is being shared, opt out. And then there's different regulations if the data is aggregated or, or, or personal, if it's a fleet, and of course, differentiation between different continents. And to make it even more interesting, there are unique regulations, data regulations for the auto industry. Now, we make sure that we, we of course, cross every, every, every T and dot every I when it comes to privacy. I like to say that we work with, with privacy or with the free German OEMs. And then the Germans are very, very strict when it comes to privacy, notoriously strict. So, yeah, definitely the things need to be done differently. Uh, you need to provide the right mechanisms. But having said that, I think like everywhere, you know, with, with a lot of power come a lot of responsibility. Uh, I always see myself as a driver and I want to treat people as the way I want to be treated. I think all the regulation is good. It's, it's protects people, privacy and, and data. It's our data. The OEMs are just custodians of the data. Just like our mm-hmm. bank. Our bank is keeping our money and is also taking some interest and money for it. And that's okay. They, they work out to secure our money. We view the OEMs the same way. They work out to extract the data from the cars. They work out to secure the data. They work out to make sure it's managed well. They should get something. But there's no question. The data belongs to you and me, the, the drivers and, and the car owners. Yeah. And I think that's something that will continue to be scrutinized. And so the, the, the bar is going to be very high on, on all players in this space. I want to transition. I mean, for, for those listening, Noam, Ben, Israeli names, both of us from Israel, uh, co-founders of, of Israeli companies. So I always think about this, and it's really interesting thinking about Israel as an innovation hub. There's lots been talked about Startup Nation. I like to think about specifically in the mobility world how Israel was a desert for mobility startups, you know, for over 50 years. We, for those that don't know, we invented this fantastic car, the Susita, which was a car that was made of fiberglass. Uh, and after, I think, one or two accidents that proved fatal and no safety measures, that was the end of uh, our, our auto manufacturing days. And then we had this dry spell for 30, 40 years, up until really, I would say, the likes of Mobileye kind of opened up the door. What's been the case? Now we look at the, the mobility space. There's over 500 startups in this space, some of them leading like Autonomo and others in their category. What happened? Why, how did we become a, a mobility center? That What caused that transformation? It's a good question. In my view, it's a combo of uh, maybe two main things. One, I think that the automotive industry is, is changing and it's becoming um, a game of data and security and cloud. All the things that we as Israelis as, as were good at, you know, we checkpoint is an Israeli. We, we, we were very dominant in cyber and security. And we were very dominant in, in communications and, and, and the cloud. And, and I think that um, it's not that we changed, it's that the auto industry has changed. And we are also at the same time a very entrepreneur in, in Israel. We saw the opportunity. We saw that they are coming closer to our domain and we just jumped on it, in my view. Of course, there are other, other things, you know, the right funding, the right ecosystem. Um, but I think it's really the Israeli mentality of um, in Israel, if you try something and it doesn't work, you're still a hero. You tried. Well done. You tried. It's okay to fail. You are learning. You will continue. There are some countries that the culture is different. If you failed, 
you know, you are, you're expected to jump from a high building. It's, and, and we really, we, we, we take, um, we take failure and, and we argue it and we see it as a very positive thing. And I think that's one of the nice things about the culture in Israel. So maybe it's really the culture plus the fact that we, we have the DNA in the technology domains that are emerging. I think along that line, similarly, it's clear Israel hasn't uh, shined as a manufacturer, right? At least globally. We're not, that, we're not the best at precise, repetitive processes. We're better where there's a lot of heavy dose of creativity and uncertainty. And the automotive space was largely that for 40 years, manufacturing, preciseness, reliability. And then when things started to become more related to the software, all of a sudden, all the technical knowledge that we have in the strong academic institutions, we kind of jumped on the opportunity, to your point, and very much so. And I think it's interesting to see just how quickly that's transformed, where before automotives didn't have much to look for in Israel. Now, every conference, you have all the big the big executives coming to Israel uh, and looking for uh, new innovations in this space. So maybe finishing on, on that thought of new innovation, as a CEO, you often think about, okay, your day-to-day and there's various activities within the team, but you're often thinking about what's beyond the horizon. So we spoke about connected vehicles, autonomous vehicles, something everyone talks about. What's the next big thing on the horizon related to mobility and transportation that perhaps not all of us are thinking about today and we should we should be thinking about. <laughs> I wish I knew. Uh, so, of, you know, let, let's put autonomous vehicles on the side. I think it's a discussion that, you know, we all have an overdose from. Um, I think electrification for, yeah. for sure. I think that um, it's a real revolution. If you think about it, it's everything will be electrified. And there are so many challenges there. The, the, the infrastructure... It's not there for scale. The batteries, the technology is not there to scale. Um, so I, I think that um, we'll see huge, huge development in this um, in this area of uh, electrification. That's definitely something. I think we'll see a lot of things coming around um, safety. I think that uh, until today we were focusing um, how to reduce the effect on people in case of an accident. Okay, you you had a airbags and seat belts and, and everything was um, gentle and, and poofy and and it's moving to how do you make sure that the accident won't happen. It's not about saving lives. It's about making eliminating the accidents, which requires a lot of data yeah. and, 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 and processing power and communication between cars, all the goodies that we are starting to have on the table uh, uh, these days. So I think those are two things that I, I found fascinating, driving safety and electrification. And I'm sure there are many, many other things that we can mention. But those are two interesting ones that come to mind that I think are really tectonic shifts in the market. Fantastic. And I, I obviously wholeheartedly uh, agree on the, on the safety side. Uh, there's so much more to be done there today. Ben, I want to thank you for for joining uh, the conversation. It's fascinating and really appreciate your time today. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, like always. Have a good evening. Thanks, Ben.